Hey, what's up, friends? I'm Vince Del Monte, father, husband, and the OG of online fitness marketing. For more than a decade, I've been committed to helping skinny guys pack on muscle. And after building multiple seven-figure online fitness businesses, I've achieved freedom and financial security through mentorship, hard work, and my passion for fitness. And I want to help you do the same. Recently, I've built the best mastermind coaching program that exists for fitness professionals by giving you the shortest no BS path to grow to six, seven, and even eight figures regardless of your starting level. My coaching was designed to give you the skills, systems, and support to become an industry mover and shaker and build the business and life of your dreams. Before today's episode, a little announcement. All right, it's happening. It's official. Fitness Business Breakthrough is here April 21, 22, 23 in Nashville, Tennessee at the beautiful Renaissance Hotel just two blocks away from the famous Music City Broadway. And I cannot wait to have you. Yes, this is the event. It's the event that's going to take any personal trainer or anyone with a passion for health and fitness, whether your specialty is muscle, fat loss, strength, yoga, contest prep, sports performance, nutrition, or mindset. That's going to take you from an employee to being successfully self-employed to business owner to empire builder. You have to learn how to delegate, automate, and eliminate all the day-to-day tasks preventing you from scaling and having maximum impact and become the CEO of your life and create real freedom. And that's what this entire event is all about. We're going to give you the best plays working right now to level up your branding, your marketing, your sales, your operations, and I cannot wait for you to join us. If you've been to any of my events, you know that I do not deliver any fluff. It's 100% immediate and actionable advice that's going to take your income to new heights. I always say that live events change lives, and that's because proximity equals power. So I'll be bringing a ton of my friends, like elite seven, eight, and nine-figure entrepreneurs, Bedros Cooling, Wes Watson, Trevor Backmeyer, Joe Marcoux, former Navy SEAL Larry Yach, Frank DeBlancan, and one of the industry's top paid traffic experts to teach you how to generate over 100 leads a day. Plus, you'll learn from a killer lineup of seven-figure female entrepreneurs, including Suzanne Galuzzo, Rachel Shear, Annie Yach, and my BMW, that's my beautiful, marvelous wife, Flavia Del Monte. So check out the page in the description, and let me tell you one thing, get registered, because this event will sell out. We're currently already at 60% capacity, so tickets are on sale right now, but this thing will sell out. So get your seat locked in right now. The link is in the description to check out our two options. The future is now, so act fast. All right, welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Vince Del Monte podcast. I have got a new friend here today, a dear friend of two of my dear friends, Beatrice Kulin and Rachel Shear. And they both said that you need to get Dr. Gabriel Line on your podcast. And as I was doing some research, I'm thinking about what should we chat about today? And for anybody looking for anything related to optimizing metabolism, balancing hormones, improving longevity, any form of evidence-based advice to improve your nutrition, she has got so many resources on her on her websites, and we're going to get all that on YouTube, on her social media. And I'm going to encourage you to dig into all of her science-based advice. Before we hit record, I got extra excited because she started sharing with me 
who she works with. And we're going to kick off this podcast having her tell us who she is, what she does. And I think what's going to be most exciting, the type of individuals she works with are the type of people who listen to this podcast, individuals like myself, who are very ambitious. We are very high achieving, very self-determined, but we all have something in common that we're not proud of. (laughs) We have a subpar nutrition habits, lifestyle habits. And today uh, we're going to talk about a concept that I love. It's called the predictable entrepreneur. I'm not going to steal a show. I'm going to let her talk all (laughs) about it because I just, I never heard that concept before the predictable entrepreneur, because uh, man, oh man, this business is rough. It's constant highs and lows. It's an emotional roller coaster. And if we don't have the information that we're going to learn today, you're going to be your own worst enemy. So Dr. Gabriel Lyon, welcome. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Let's just uh, hear a bit about your background. I'd love to hear how you got into this whole world. Uh, I don't know how much about my backstory, but really quick, I had a fascination and obsession about muscle. So as as I was going through all your work, I'm like, so does she. But my (laughs) reason for muscle was more vanity. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But now I'm starting to see you're unpacking all the science around Mm -hmm. the necessity of muscle. And I just love to hear your journey into this whole world. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share. First of all, I did a very long route as it were to be to get here about 17 years of professional education. And I started on this journey at 17 and I have not changed my mind since that time. I, which is unusual. Typically we find other things that we like, but I started on this health and wellness, nutrition and medicine quite some time ago. And I have been lucky enough to be trained by some of the world leading experts, truly thought leaders and individuals that have high intellectual integrity, especially in the space of nutritional sciences and medicine. And over the years, I created a concept called muscle centric medicine. And that is this idea that muscle is actually the largest organ in the body. And why that's important is because the medical system as it is right now is broken and we are fat phobic, disease centric, when we should be uh, forward thinking and muscle centric. Before we dive into um, some of this, can I ask you some like rapid fire questions yeah. like, just to see if we're on the same page kind of thing? Yes. <laughs> so I used to, all right. And I want you to say either like true, false, or let me clarify. <laughs> okay. So one of my favorite lines when I was a trainer in the gym, this was many years ago, was muscle will improve the quality of your life. Cardio can improve the length of your life. What do you think of that? I think muscle can improve all of it. And muscle is highly, it's a highly complex tissue. There's different fiber types and it's right now we break it down typically into cardiovascular realms. And then we break it down into weightlifting and more anaerobic, but truly the magic is in the interface between the two. Now, is it true that I always used to say this as well, that muscle, how did I say it's a metabolic marker for essentially your, not your chronological age, but your biological age, essentially the more muscle on you, the better chance of longevity. And I always use the comparison. If you saw like some Jack dude in the gym, who's like in his sixties, you're like, he does not look like he's 60. Why, why is that? Is that true? I think this is a really good point. The idea that more is better, it's more about the health of the muscle Mm. and high quality, healthy muscle is better. When you think about pushing into the bodybuilding ranges, that doesn't necessarily mean their survivability 
is longer. They're going to live longer. That's not particularly true. Hmm. But what is true and what we do know from science is the more healthy muscle tissue you have, the higher your survivability in nearly all diseases. Okay. I have never heard the concept of healthy muscle, and now I'm fascinated. (laughs) I try not to take us down too much of a tangent, but you're going to have to unpack that. And I know like I've been in the bodybuilding world, so I know guys, you get like massive amount of muscle tissue. And I don't know if it's a glycogen water rate, or I don't know if it's like dry muscle tissue, if that's the right term, but yeah. What do you mean by healthy muscle? It's interesting to think if we believe that muscle is an organ, then we must believe in the concept that there are levels of health on an organ or in an organ, for example, cardiovascularly thyroid muscle is the same. And if an individual is overweight and perhaps even not doing some kind of aerobic exercise to help with mitochondrial density, then over a period of time, fat actually infiltrates into the muscle. Fat can infiltrate into the muscle. Exactly like a marbled steak. Huh. Oh, wow. And, and what happens is this changes the contractility, the strength of the muscle. It changes the quality of the muscle. It changes the metabolic nature of the muscle in terms of metabolism. Mm-hmm. In essence, it's not necessarily about the amount of muscle you have. It is truly about the quality of the tissue. Mm. All right. I can't, you can't leave me hanging here. (laughs) We maybe run through a couple of best practices. I was telling you that our family lives off of red meat. My my blood type might be red meat. I eat so much. much. Same over here. Yeah. Okay. And I was told we did a hair analysis like many years ago and he wasn't a huge fan of vegetables. And it was the first time I'd heard somebody like this guy was super smart Mm. and he just didn't speak very highly of vegetables. And it's probably one of my first interactions with anybody who was like, yeah, you get all your vitamins, minerals from red meat. I'm like, I do. I didn't know that. And he said, yeah, I just eat red meat all the time. I'm like, is that, can you maybe just dispel or just share some truth or some advice around like, why is red meat so crucial? And is all red meat created equal? Because I know that's probably not true, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on all this. Number one, red meat is part of a healthy diet and we've been eating it for millions of years. In fact, learning how to cook, and consume these foods are one of the things that actually helped train and change and evolve our brain and our best practices as humans. Red meat has highly bioavailable nutrients, zinc, selenium, B12, things that are not necessary. Iron, most importantly, it was one of the most important. And so there's the micronutrients that are not necessarily bioavailable through plant matrixes, right? Plant matrix holds on to these nutrients. It's, it's just the absorption is not the same. In addition, the quality of the protein in Chinese medicine, there's this saying that feeds, I'm, I'm sure you've heard that. It's the same with muscle tissue. Muscle tissue contains the amino acids necessary when you eat it to actually help feed your tissue in the right amounts. The quality and... Um, the quantity is just easier to absorb. It's so much better than a plant. However, that's not to say that you couldn't get nutrients out of plants. It's just certainly not as optimal from a nutrient and then a calorie standpoint. And listen, if you're an entrepreneur and people that are really trying to go out there and change the world, which you actually mentioned, who are the people that I take care of? I take care of people that change the world. And I will, (laughs) yes. And then you asked me about are all meats created equal. Now this will actually go against what I think a lot of people would assume I would say, 
And I do believe whether it is conventionally raised versus regeneratively raised, it is still beneficial. Hmm. I would much rather have an individual eating a high quality protein source than having something else. Interesting. Wow. That's fantastic. So what do you do with individuals that might be resistant to meat or like maybe uh, I just love to hear if I'm going for a gram of protein per pound of body weight, is it going to come from a variety of red meat sources? Does it matter or how would you, you're, you're rotating your sources? There's a couple answers to that. Food rotation is really good. If anyone has any GI issues, hmm. food rotation becomes helpful in the way that the body doesn't, I don't want to say build up uh, antibodies to the same foods over a period of time, because that's not exactly correct, but you do build up elements of a response, right? And people that are listening, I'm sure have had that. Oh, I used to be able to eat eggs all the time. And I ate eggs every day for two years. And now if I eat an egg, my nose runs, or now if I eat an egg, something happens. And oh. people have those experiences clinically all the time. Being able to rotate foods can be important if you do have any kind of GI issues. The other aspect to that is variety. Is it important? Variety is not nearly as important if you are getting other sources of foods. For example, if you are eating steak, you could always eat your ribeye and it, your ribeye can always come from your cow and you can throw in a little bit of liver. So you wouldn't necessarily have to just rotate off your ribeye. Gotcha. Okay. Fascinating. So let's, so is there any like major, let's talk about the mistakes we're talking about. I want to shift to the high, entre, high achieving entrepreneurs, the elite CEOs, anybody who's looking to get maximum, uh, I think maybe output individuals who have to make a lot of decisions. I got kids at the end of the day, relationships, a lot of constant pressures. What are you seeing amongst a lot of individuals that you work with? some of the top executives and business owners, where are they falling short? Let's start there before we yeah. start giving them the additions. The first thing that I would have to say in terms of where an entrepreneur falls short is there is a battle rhythm to an entrepreneur. There is a predictable nature to the chaos hmm. of the life of an entrepreneur. <laughs> that sounds accurate. The one blind spot that an entrepreneur has is they are surprised by their humanness and they are surprised by weaknesses Whoa. that show up, which because there is a predictability in the entrepreneur's life, these weaknesses show up, like I said, routinely, it's cyclical. Again, there is a battle rhythm and they never account for that. My one biggest piece of advice I would say when I talk to my CEOs and SEALs, I take care of a lot of military uh, special ops guys, is you have to plan for your weaknesses because they're predictable. And we could talk about, hey, what does that weakness mean? That weakness, let me give you an example. As an entrepreneur's life business grows, the workload and the stress is exponentially higher. With that exponential increase comes a exponential decrease in their health. They are pushing harder. They are managing more time than there's children. There are all these things. There are deadlines. There are business things that happen. And there are vices 
that individuals will go to. That could be as simple as more stimulants. And maybe it's not a drug stimulant, but maybe it's a five more cups of coffee or anything. They'll start to do behaviors that they will need in order to augment themselves to get them through the next push. Then there's a predictable crash. You're describing me for the past <laughs> years before I started 75 hard when the third came around. Bottle there's a wine. space for you in my practice, Vince. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm an open book. I, I want to optimize. I've noticed uh, like a world of difference since getting to bed at a better time. A uh, big thing is like all uh, zero alcohol. I was living off of a bottle of wine every night for three years just to take the edge off at the end of the day. <laughs> mess up my sleep. And then the next day, three, 400 milligrams of caffeine to get through the day. And then it starts to teeter off. Now I'm taking more in the afternoon and I'm like, I'm just living for the evening. And then the cycle repeats itself. And, uh, the idea of resting and taking responsibility of my, it was like, no, this will set me back. There wasn't a, there wasn't an ROI perceived by it. So let's talk about the cost, like what it's costing us. Yeah. I think because that's sometimes us entrepreneurs need to hear about the cost before we are open to hearing about the rewards. Yeah. And this is actually, that is the way in which my practice works. I very rarely focus on the positive and it's not that I am a negative person by any means. It's positive positivity as it relates to health doesn't necessarily motivate people. And this is counterintuitive to what people think. And it's only in particular as it relates to health. I'm actually going to talk to some warfighters about this very situation. The cost of not understanding your rhythms is devastating. And here's why. While in the short term, individuals will say, I'm just going to drink to take the edge off. And then I'm going to have some caffeine. And that caffeine is going to, I'm going to continue to increase that dose. What ultimately happens is there is a cascade downstream effect. When you affect your sleep, for example, which is super common for all entrepreneurs, and you're doing it in a way that is not structured, right? There are times that you are going to have to push. There are times that you're going to have minimal sleep, but you haven't prepared for that. You have a decrease in hormones, testosterone tanks cortisol increases, you begin to put on visceral body fat, the central truncal body fat. You also typically are not going outside. Vitamin D now becomes low. You're not taking supplements, probably are not eating that great. Now you're dealing with nutrient deficiencies. Maybe you're taking Tums, maybe your digestion is off because you're not giving your body any kind of capacity to manage stress. The other thing is one of the most critical aspects of an entrepreneur is their capacity to serve and perform at the absolute highest level is directly related to only one thing. Do you know what that is? It's only related to one thing. Your energy, your health. Yep. That is it. That is 100% top of the line limit. Wow. Okay. Now as entrepreneurs, they're really capable of juggling a lot of things. They lose perspective on the fact that if your health and wellness are not your number one priority, your business 
will only grow to the level of your physical capacity. That's amazing. So it's interesting because I just hired Bedros for his last year of private one-on-one coaching. And I was in the Empire Mastermind a few years ago. And it was interesting because I noticed that I hired him again to learn his replication secrets for additional companies he's taken, um, equity and et cetera. And I noticed the common theme amongst a lot of these guys in their mid-40s is that they're just kind of ramping up, like they're getting into the best shape of their life. They're seeing their abs for the first time. And during the mastermind, he's got his meals coming to him every three hours and he's just, they're dialed in. And, and I'm trying to think, did I just pay all this money to learn how to eat better? <laughs> did I just pay all this money? Like, when are they teaching me the strategies and the tactics? And don't worry, we got all that. But I was, it was a really interesting thing to see amongst a lot of these high performers that they were going back to things that they might've been good at in the past, or they had an awareness of, but like you said, they didn't prepare for this new season of life with multiple companies, with more at stake, with maybe kids in the picture, more relationships. And that's what really threw me off. I'm like, I could stay shredded all year long when I had no kids, but I didn't prepare for now. I've got a team of 35. I've got over a hundred people that pay me for coaching. I'm like the stress. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm, I'm breaking. I didn't think it was possible for me to break. I think you bring up a really good point. And there is a level of discipline that has to happen. And then you also have to understand when an individual, when an entrepreneur is locked in on something, they're locked in on it. Hmm. They have a capacity to go full throttle. And that means nutrition. And that means sleep and really creating even if they are not disciplined in, you know, ways of maybe they do drink, they create as a structure of discipline that this is just what they do. That structure of discipline is paramount. The other thing that they do is they don't necessarily do it by themselves. Yeah. One must understand that the nature of an entrepreneur, they do not have time to worry about their blood work or their testosterone doses, they have someone on their team like me who manages all the things related to health and wellness to keep them in an optimal range. And as new things are coming in, there's always new evolving peptides or things or ways of testing that really makes things very efficient. Yeah. And you have someone else manage it. So what I do see in terms of my most successful entrepreneurs is they manage their nutrition, they manage their training, and then they outsource the rest to a physician. I mean, I I can only speak for myself to someone like myself, right? Uh Who manages hormones, sleep studies, digestive health, uh, any of the other new and upcoming things. And also there's a way in which you can work together to prepare for the big pushes. So I have a question. How do you know, kind of tear these things out, like in a sequence steps, almost you're talking about peptides and hormones. Like let's talk about some of the things where you're like, Hey, you can take it this far with this stuff, but if you're looking to get this far, we should definitely start talking about some of this stuff. Cause I, in my world, we, we talk about in business, like I'll use a simple example. You got to earn ads. You got to earn funnels in the bodybuilding world. You have to earn the steroids. Like a beginner just needs the basics. Yeah. So like when it comes to optimizing 
your energy, your focus, your health. Yeah. What do I need to get in order first before I'm like, okay, now I'm going to get the full effectiveness? Or do you have a different perspective on that? No, like, I, no we just start right away. Kind the of foundation is nutrition. Okay. Especially for an entrepreneur to be able to function cognitively, you must manage your nutrition. And there is a lot of noise and a lot of narrative in the nutrition space. One must be able to see through any kind of trends. And when I think about nutrition, I think entrepreneurs do very well eating in a time-restricted way. It allows them to manage calories. We also have to account for this idea that cortisol is probably ebbing and flowing. So creating structure, for example, a lot of my patients eat from 10 to six or 11 to seven or 12 to eight. We start on their first meal in the morning, they might fast and their first meal of the day is typically optimized for protein. You match it with a carbohydrate, minimize any kind of blood sugar regulation swings, make it very simple, have them feed, get them out for a walk. I don't care if it's 10 minutes, you're out the door, go. Yeah. Eat 10 minutes for a walk, come back, do your next major work block. And then you might have another meal. You might have three meals in that day. And then when that 8 PM hits or when that night is done, that meal is done. You have to optimize for protein as an entrepreneur. Number one, I'm biased because I believe muscle is the organ of longevity. But number two, you do have to manage total calories. And as entrepreneurs, I, I will find that there's uh, one thing that I do see that happens early on in an entrepreneur's career who's really building is there's a lot of external discipline and very little self-discipline. Hmm. External discipline which is the wisdom to be able to get all the other stuff like, oh, I have to get this done. People are counting me. This ads have, these ads have to get done. This, and they're very disciplined to execute, to show up for that. Yeah. Very little internal discipline. I am so tired. I'm just going to eat this TV dinner. I'm going to just eat this protein bar. I, I can't be bothered. Yep. That's what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> so Skipping meals and just, yeah. Vince, what you are saying, brother, is that you are a predictable entrepreneur and you didn't plan for that, which oh. is every entrepreneur. Wow. So this is encouraging as well right now. So it's interesting. So yeah, you have this mindset that you have this capacity that I can, you know, starve myself all day. And then, but then, then I binge on my kids' snacks and their desserts and then et cetera. Exactly. So you have to put in that structure. And typically that's why I start with a time-restricted window because entrepreneurs are busy. You don't want to think about it. We set it up. This is what we do. First meals at 10. You have a midday meal. Maybe it's at one and then you have another meal. Your midday meal is one. Then maybe you have a snack at four and dinner at six and that's it. Do you optimize for a whole food? Is that how, because I, I came from the Charles Polkwin world. And if you, you want know, to look solid, you know the Charles food. Did you know that Charles was one of my very dear friends? I didn't know that. No. Do you know that I am the first female physician he ever endorsed? I did not know that. I was also with him two weeks before he passed away. Oh, she's I, man, he was a legend. Every single trainer who's listening to this, if they don't know, they have him to thank for the entire industry. If you have a job in the fitness industry yeah. is because of him. I actually have his dumbbells right around the corner here in my gym. I bought them off of him at a muscle camp. Amazing. Um, I said, how, where did you get these? And he goes, you want them? And I, and so he sold them to me and had them delivered. And so I had, I definitely got some experiences with him in person at some of his camps and they were always highly educational and entertaining. Yeah. 
So he was a very dear friend. Oh, wow. I actually went and taught for him. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah. I taught these concepts of muscle centric medicine and Charles was a a perfect example of everything that I'm saying in terms of the higher that he got, perhaps the less he was taking care of himself and Although he got better. He got better. Let's let's really dig in a bit. And I have some questions and I'd love to hear. So I'm 53 days into 75 hard and what I've been doing, and I'm, I believe that uh, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So I'm going to, I'm a student. I love to learn. So I'm Mm -hmm. really interested in your feedback and I've been essentially creating my own protocol and it's been red meat. And I just want to give it some context too, because I'm the guy that goes to a lot of people for advice. And a part of the reason it's a very advantage it's one of my strengths, but at the same time, sometimes I already know the answer. Like I've been in the fitness industry for 15 years and sometimes I already have plenty of workouts. I just need to do it. And I choose to be confused yes. instead of just taking ownership. I want to come back to this. Okay. Okay. Can I, can I interject something here? Absolutely. There are patient archetypes that I see, right? So there's this, there's the group of patients that I take care of, right? These are the people that are out there to change the world. This is my greatest privilege. The other part is within that group, there are archetypes and there is one archetype that is too many cooks in the kitchen. This is a form of distraction. Uh Those patients, if you continue down that road, they never get better. Wow. They will get a physician opinion over here. They'll get another over here. That is a form of distraction and they are the worst performing patients when it comes to health and wellness in terms of progressing and protecting them from themselves, they will always stay at a very um, minimal health and fitness level. So I'm glad that you have talked yourself out of that. Yeah. And so here I am. Yeah. And and maybe this is now going to be a really interesting conversation because so I feel like the reason I'm making progress is because there's no cooks in the the kitchen. That's exactly right. right. I'm going back to all, I'm going back to self-discipline. I'm going back to consistency. I'm outside 45 minutes every single day. I'm doing yoga as one of my workouts indoors and weights. And I'm going back to just my, the workouts that work best for me. And, and I've dropped from 226 down to 210. Now I've been stuck for the last three weeks and I haven't tracked calories. I've just been having meat-based meals twice per day, fasting 18 hours a day. And I'm now starting to wonder, okay, maybe I need to start tracking the calories. Um, I'm doing four liters of water a day. Maybe I need to start fueling these workouts a bit more because the output's not really increasing. It's kind of the same. Yeah. So yeah, just maybe some insights on progress when you're hitting plateaus. Like what do you start to look at first? Hey, let's start with some, let's make sure you're on check with these things before we start getting fancy because- that's my tendency to do something extreme as opposed which I to I love, doing. which is phenomenal and makes you so good at your job. Okay. And you would never spend money and do something in your business that you weren't tracking, right? True. But you are willing to do that with your most important commodity. Facts, but not a proud fact that I'm making. <laughs> you have to track, you have to track. And also two meals a day, isn't necessarily ideal for improving body composition. If you were my patient, what I would do is I would certainly consider three meals within that time period and understanding if we were looking for weight loss, you would do three structured meals. And I know people are going to, ah, three meals. There's a reason 
The reason is because it allows for blood sugar regulation. You don't want ebbs and flows of blood sugar. You don't want increases in cortisol. You want to try to minimize insulin effects. However, I will say that calories are the most important. It is a calorie issue. You cannot overconsume calories. However, there is this thermic effect of food for optimizing for protein over a period of time. You also will be able to sustain your workouts. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe the fact is that you're actually under eating. And maybe you've done this really, you've done really well for a couple months and now your metabolism is starting to slow and maybe your thyroid is changing and maybe your hormones are affected. All of this is possible. You're going through possibly metabolic adaptation. You have to restructure your nutrition. Number one, you have to track. Number two, I recommend you restructure your nutrition into a, if you're, you know, eating in an eight to nine hour window, which it sounds like you're fasting for a little bit longer than that. I would reduce that. Fasting in and of itself can actually, it can impact hormones. It can impact cortisol. The body can interpret it as a stressor. I I love to for you to just chat on that for a sec too, because I think that I've seen a lot of guys use it. I always had an issue with intermittent fasting because I saw it. I knew who the guys were who were using it. And I'm like, dude, you're just lazy, man. (laughs) You just found something that works that, and I'm also like, I also love it, but then I judged them based on why they were doing it. Right. Not because of the tool itself, but I'm like, dude, you just don't want to make your meals. And that, and I think that happened to me. I'm like, this is, if this, if there's science to support this, I'm going to just definitely jump on this, but I think it's starting to, I might've, I don't know, it's getting dull maybe, or like you, what uh, you just said. I think that the human spirit thrives off challenge. The human spirit is designed for challenge. The human body is designed for challenge. Ultimately, if we shifted the concept to strong medicine, we would not be in the predicament that we are in general in all of the world. So there is something to be said for strong medicine and changing and challenging yourself. Two meals a day is not working for you. This long periods of fasting is allowing you to sneak in back to old habits, which would be not eating all day. That's easy for you. Yeah. But now to become disciplined, to do three meals, to not be fasting for extended periods of time may be beneficial for you. I love that mindset. Yeah, it's, it is because so yeah, maybe the idea. So I had my meals delivered to my house and fantastic. Yeah. And I'm actually now measuring out, brought me back to my bodybuilding days of measuring out eight ounces of protein, eight ounces of sweet potatoes, but they take freaking 20, 30 minutes to eat. So now I have to rewire my brain that there's value in sitting and eating here. What are your thoughts on like somebody says, but Dr. Gabriel Leon, I, Leon, I cannot eat for, I can't take an hour out of my day to eat two meals. No one is saying that you have to take an hour out of your day. So my husband is a former um, SEAL. That dude can eat. I have seen him inhale food faster than any human on the planet. This is, it is not true. You can get that food in and it doesn't have to be. Also faster. Are you saying like, kind of just be more? I'm being facetious. I'm being facetious. The reality is you can sit and work and eat. That's the reality. The reality is that is just another form of not of having some resistance. So this is another component to the entrepreneur, to the predictable entrepreneur. And actually also my uh, athletes, some of my Olympians are like this. They don't like being told what to do. Mm. 
Interesting. There is an inherent rebellion within them. They don't like being told what to do. And if you leave that unexamined, then you cannot navigate around it. So let me break something down for you. There is the what to do, and that's the knowledge. And the knowledge, as long as you really trust the person who's providing the knowledge, there's no knowledge deficit. Arguably nowadays, there may be because everything is so confusing, but overall, what there is, there's a behavior deficit. Mm. And we have to, there's the what, there's the how, you know, like the, I'm sorry, there's the what to do, which is I'm going to do 75 hard. I'm going to do three meals a day. And then there's the internal logistics of the how to do it. That how to do it is that navigation of that internal infrastructure, the inner monologue, the attributes necessary, the self-worth gauge, Mm -hmm. the components that actually drive the behavior and the reward. That stuff, that needs to be so tight and is so overlooked in an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs are fast. It is externally driven, external discipline. The internal discipline must be cultivated. And not only the internal discipline, but understanding the way in which they work so deeply that they can navigate the landmines. That's there's a lot there was a lot there. And I was thinking the behavioral deficits when you said the how to do it. Like that's what I'm thinking. That's where, and obviously that's where the mentorship, the coaching comes in for your own situation and starting to problem solve these different things for somebody who travels a lot or somebody who has kids. That's adaptability. Or- that's all stuff I work with. Yes, that is all fixed. That is so easy. Those that are is easy. so yeah. easy. Those right? are solutions. Yeah. It is understand. Let me give you an example. I hope I didn't cut you off. I, no, can, keep going. Yeah, okay. no, I, I want you to do that. <laughs> they don't want to hear me. They want to hear you. This is really important, especially as a physician that takes care of entrepreneurs. These are things that are really important. There are some key attributes, which are traits individuals are born with that we're all born with, right? There's the courage. And in early on in a entrepreneur's journey, this courage isn't at a very high level. And I don't mean courage in their business. Courage, they have to feel courageous to have the body and the health that they deserve. And sometimes, for example, some of my women entrepreneurs, they might not feel like they deserve the body that they've always wanted, or they might feel exposed if they're in great shape, or there's a whole slew of internal monologues that happen. Notice I didn't say dialogue because the dialogue means you're conscious of it and have to address it. Interesting. Yeah. That's the most conversation. That's the most important conversation you're having. Right. So there's this courage trait or the courage to be able to surpass a self-discipline because sometimes being hungry is uncomfortable. Sometimes training, you're doing 75 hard. You know what? If you have to do it at 9 PM and you committed to it, that sucks. Yeah. There's been a lot of those days. (laughs) And then there's an adaptability attribute. This adaptability trait is really planning for the capacity that you're going to be traveling. It's not a a shock, Vince, if you know that you are going to give a talk in Nashville, you're going to get on the plane. There's going to be a lot of snacks. You're probably going with your kids. 
You don't want to pack a meal because it's annoying and weird to eat that on the plane, even if it's a private plane, like whatever it is. There's a whole slew of things that can happen. And then when you get there, you're going to be too tired to train. So we plan for this. Yeah. It's really good. So bring, I know when I prepare, I always come back. Like I have to make all these decisions beforehand. And I think that was like one of the biggest problems. There was no plan. Like when I travel, what restaurant are we going to? Are we getting the hotel near a Whole Foods? Are we bringing any 100%. food? Again? I'm, are we preparing the food the night before? We like it just, it is. And I think there's this, there's like really, I have to do all of this. Oh, it's like, oh, it's not worth it. And that's, that's the negotiations, like so much effort. I'll just fast. How do you start to coach somebody to expect more from themselves and just to raise their standards? Because that's, so when I go to a restaurant, I'm the weird one now when I go out with all my friends, because they saw me before this and like, Oh, you're still on that thing. You're not drinking. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be relying on my personality tonight, guys. There is. And you're probably very successful at that. This is what becomes very important to understand. And what I do with a lot of my patients is this idea. It's called present bias. There's you right now. There's an individual right now who is tired, overworked, been working 12 hours because they're trying to raise money and there's cookies there. There's, I'm just going to have one. My kids are asleep. They finally went to bed. I'm just going to have one. I know that I promised I was going to start my diet. I know I need to take care of myself. I'm like, can't believe I'm getting fat. Like, where did this come from? I've always been so fit. And then they put it off till tomorrow and they forget their future self. And they believe that this person now, if they, if they negotiate with it, they never reach their future self the pain of the moment and present behavior. We have to work on that because if individuals execute in that mediocre zone where they're just making excuses for themselves, they will sacrifice their long-term future. Mm. And when that present reality becomes so painful to understand that if you continue, the chances are, if you're doing something today, there's a 95% chance you will do that tomorrow. Mm. And then there's another chance that you will do it the next day. Mm. That's the way humans are wired. Change is very difficult. We are not wired to have to cognitively put effort into doing things. It's just not the way that it works. When you fast forward that perspective, and this could be anything, for example, this could be putting off the book that you're writing. So for example, if I'm in the middle of writing a book, I wake up extraordinarily early to get in two hours of writing before my children even wake up, whether it's 4.30 or five, that's early. And I work all day. So this idea that I could just sleep in and it would be comfortable. What's going to happen when this book that is so meaningful to the world doesn't really get written or gets written haphazardly. Right. The pain of that. I remind myself of that every day. And every if individuals day. and entrepreneurs, so yeah, you could, it could be total hassle to go to Whole Foods and do all that stuff. What is the pain that an individual is going to suffer in the next month, two months, three months? It's going to be great. And then they have to step on stage at a huge event and they look like a slob because they weren't able to have internal discipline. That's going to be painful. Yeah. How, how long is it going to take? Like, I've been shocked by how quickly I've changed things. And one of the reasons things are changing is because I have two accountability groups and we have to report in at the end of the day. And I, you know, I complete all oh, this is going to take a long time. 
when you're committed, the changes happen quick. And I guess I love to hear, I'm talking to my brother. We're always, he's in my group as well. And we're like, what are we going to do after this? Because my fear is I'm going to revert and I can do this for 12 weeks or yeah, I can do this until this date. And what issues are you seeing? If somebody has this whole thing, I'm going to, I can't wait until this is over so I can have a cheat meal. Like, it's like you're doing it with a means to an end as opposed to, I don't know how to phrase this, but like this, you actually embrace this new identity, these, this, these new disciplines, like the reward isn't what you look like the external, but it's, it is truly internal. Like when I step into a room, I know I'm a badass. you know what, in the room and there's nobody here who's got anything on me. Nobody right. here can make me hurt because I know I've already, I've already put myself out in the minus 10 weather this morning, running right. hard for 45 minutes. You got, there's nothing you can do to me or say to me right now, yeah. that's going to hurt me. Like, how do you, so that is, how do you get to that reward of internal versus external? Because I think that's what a lot of people are driven by. Just they want the yes. external validation. Look, I did it once. Humans are driven by reward and pain are very similar. I think goal setting initially is great. That is the entry point. The, that is the way in which you can get to someone's underbelly. Have them hit a goal and then have them set a standard. Ooh, that's good. That's really, I like that. That's really good. Set a goal. Have them hit a goal as an underbelly, as an entry point Mm. for excellence. Move that to then setting a standard for extraordinary health. So the new standard for me is going to be. We got to come up with it. Never more than 205. Always. No, that is not what we're going to do. That's not how we're going to do it. Let's do it. We're going to do 75 hard. You are going to crush that shit. (laughs) And then it's going to be over and you're going to have your cheat meal. Halfway through that cheat meal, you're not even going to want it because you're not even that person anymore. Then we're going to send a new standard. Humans thrive under competition. I know I was like, ah, don't compete. Yes. You should compete. You should strive for an extraordinary life is in a stressless life. An extraordinary Mm -hmm. life is one full of stress. It's just being able to be and having the capacity to manage it. So I say we come up with something else. I say, we know you're going to do 75 hard and you've already proven that you're going to crush it. Now it's just the mental gymnastics of some days you don't want to do it. And sometimes you do. And now it's really easy. I'm not even impressed with your 75 hard anymore now because you've mastered it. Mm, mm. You set a goal. You're crushing the goal. Now, when that ends, we have to set a new standard. I really like that. So what is it going to be? I think 75 hard. Listen, and I now, first of all, I think it's incredible. I haven't done it. I need to do it. I had two babies back to back, probably an excuse, but having babies is then listen, there are people that have done 75 hard and had a baby. So maybe that will be my thing. I'll do it. Yeah. And, and the big thing for Sally defines it as a mental toughness challenge. A lot of people use it for different goals, but yeah, sorry, I cut you off. No, it's totally, but I, I believe that this is now something, what I'm hearing from you is this something that you've mastered. What, what you're saying is so interesting. So I started, I used to be a competitive distance runner and I started this off with my outdoors as just walks. And there's definitely something to be said about not being stupid on this. If I get hurt on day two, cause I'm running and it's minus 10 and it's ICL, I wasn't super smart. So 
I've been managing where I walk. Also, I'm heavier, so I don't want to beat up my joints. So I've been taking a pretty intelligent approach to the progression with the cardio. But now I'm at walk one, run two, walk one, run two for the 45 minutes. And what's really interesting is that I've found that my body is adapting because my mind isn't quitting. And most people, are you taking a day off? Are you recovering? Or I've been a runner, so they use periodization charts, up, down, up, down. And interestingly, my body's adapting. And I had this thought, I'm like, it's only 23 days left, but I wonder if I could run a sub 10, sorry, a sub 45 minute 10K in the next 23 days. That thought has not crossed my mind for over 10 years. Now, I used to run a sub 33 minute or sub 34 minute 10K in my running days. The thought of running continuously for 10K under 45 minutes, it's just these new ideas, these new standards, they just came out of like, they didn't come from a podcast I was listening to. It just popped up. Love it. I love it. So that should be in place before you're done with 75 hard. And that's what's happening. So I guess what I'm, what it's really neat is like, when you start this journey, you're going to start discovering all this stuff about yourself. You're going to start setting these new standards. Um, And is that how we, I guess I'd love to hear also even a challenge from a nutritional standpoint, like how far can I take this? Because now you've got so much information. I sometimes wonder, are they just, are these actually like legitimate hacks or techniques or like how deep does this rabbit hole go when I get my structure dialed in, I get my sleep, my hour before I got my blocking the light with my glasses. I'm not consuming social media. Like how deep can we really take this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it becomes really important to not be distracted. There's a lot of different things, cold plunge, a million different things that individuals can do. Excellence requires focus and excellence requires internal discipline and external discipline. That includes the idea of all the information coming in. Typically, excellence doesn't happen by doing a whole bunch of things. At least I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it professionally. I haven't seen it with the, the highest performing individuals that you can even imagine. They are laser focused right. on picking the thing and executing on the thing. So they're not getting ready for the Ironman, also doing CrossFit, getting ready for a bodybuilding. Not at all. And some of the Olympians or this one in particular that I'm thinking, phenomenal at this is the the challenge that we are tackling. This is the thing right now that we are are tackling. So there is something called capacity. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say this, and I don't want people, I don't want the entrepreneurs listening to feel good about this. the suffering capacity of an entrepreneur is exponentially higher, or I should say all high level performers have a way in which they can tolerate suffering above and beyond a normal human. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I think with that knowledge, one has to become very careful. It is, it's a, almost like a secret weapon, Mm. but it's a secret weapon that is also an individual's kryptonite. Wow. Yeah. With every strength, there's a kryptonite. Wow. I I love that. Maybe this would be a good place for us to wind down here. I'd love for you to speak to this because I heard one of my mentors talk about how oftentimes the most successful people aren't the hardest working necessarily, but they're, how did he say it? They are willing to sacrifice the most 
And sometimes what they're willing to sacrifice isn't necessarily healthy. They might be willing to sacrifice, heck, relationships with loved ones. Mm -hmm. And now, yeah, you cross the finish line, you got all those gold medals, but you're literally alone now. And I, I love to hear like maybe... I love the idea of having these high standards. And I met people who, you know, they, I don't drink, I, I don't do this. I personally, I love wine. One of my favorite pastimes for my wife and I are going is going to wine country. And I can't imagine a life without red wine. Even I would love to get to a point where I can control it and it doesn't control me, where we have a beautiful wine cellar, it's loaded. We have some the best wine in our home. But I want to be able to look at it and not feel like it's pulling me, but that, hey, when I've achieved this, I'm going to treat myself. So what's your, there's certain people that have their certain maybe vices, mm-hmm. maybe just talk about how you build the vices in or when you build the vices in yeah. or, or how, how do you bring that back in? Or when are you ready to you know, start managing with things that maybe, is it an all or none approach or what have you seen? Depends on your personality, individuals, it really, you have to know yourself. I think vices are very helpful because they actually can leverage an individual. They create consequences. For example, if I told you, I need, hey, Vince, I need you to execute this and this in this way. And then your reward is going to be a lovely dinner with your wife. And you guys are each going to structure it, have two glasses of wine, and that's going to be it. Mm. You would knock that out of the park. Yeah. It has to have a structure, structure to device. Okay. Last question for today. How do you reset? I feel like I'm out. How do I re- get back on track? You know what I'm saying? I feel like Love a it. lot of people I, I'm off track. I keep saying, oh, it's just one more day. Uh, it's just one more week. It's just, just one more trip. And then next, that's what happened to me for three freaking years. Every mm-hmm. single weekend there was a party. Or there's, oh, this, oh, it's birthday this weekend. I can't start this weekend. And next thing, three years has gone by. So those small complacencies just got translated into massive comfort, massive compromise. And now you're in a state of, you don't even feel like you can go back. I'm like, is this even recoverable? Is it even worth starting? That was the mindset I was in before the new year. There's a couple components to this. Number one, you caught the disease of comfort. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) The news is there's a treatment for that. And that's actually resiliency. What you describe is you were unable to bring yourself up to an emotional baseline. You were constantly saying whether it was negative things, it was probably negative things that you were saying to yourself, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and you were keeping that attribute of resiliency very low. People think of resiliency as just being able to go out and be strong and do, but resiliency, there's a component of what's called emotional resiliency. And it's this ability to bring yourself up to a neutral, to a baseline. You weren't able to do that. This is, and you're not alone. This is what commonly I see. If an individual cannot bring themselves up to a baseline, then they will continue down that road. It'll be a year. It'll be two years. It'll be it is, it, they will continue to grow that disease of, dis, of comfort. Very predictable. That's predictable. Yeah. This is the predictable entrepreneur. It's predictable. You Did must you- account for that. You must have a contingency plan. I'll give you I an example. It. I'll leave you with his example. Okay. I had a baby recently, 11 months ago. Congratulations. In, thank you. I was in incredible shape in December. I went, we went to California. We stayed there for a month. We're eating out all the time. 
I can put on, I'm very tiny human. I'm a five foot one human, a hundred. Really five one. Wow. Very tiny. So you're tiny wife's height. So I had a baby and I was in amazing shape, abs, everything. Went to California and we ate and we didn't train really hard. And I came back heavier. And as your wife knows, as a tiny human, you're like, oh my God. Took me a month to even get back on the train. And I had very little emotional resiliency to bring myself up to baseline. Mm -hmm. And then I realized there's in case of emergency break glass, you have to have the contingency plan of, I called one of my best friends, Roxy, the person who runs my practice. I'm like, you're meeting me at 630 every morning and we're driving to the gym, pick me up or you're Mm -hmm. fired. (laughs) I immediately put restraints on myself to bring my emotional resiliency up. You have to take action. As a female, if you don't mind me asking, do you ever get certain thoughts? So my wife says that oftentimes like she's shorter uh, as well. And she has a friend, she's European, she's super yeah. tall. And she says she can't put a pound on no matter how hard she tries. Yeah. How, how do you kind of manage just that, that chitter chatter, if you will, around, I have to work harder than everybody else kind of thing. I don't know if that's how you. I, I don't think about that. If I'm not working hard at something, I, I feel like it's not, it's unworthy. So it's worth the work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you don't it's always worth the work. That's really powerful. I think that's a great spot to, to wrap up. Did you say before we start recording, you have a book coming out as well? <laughs> I'm working on my first book. Yeah. The, the manuscript is due uh, August 1st. I'm working very hard. And this book is going to redefine medicine. Tell me that about it. I'd love to hear for you. Yeah. To- maybe plant some seeds for us. Yeah, This book is the first of its kind, and it is going to redefine what we know and how we see the diseases of human nature Uh, or not human nature, the humanists right now. We are obesity centric, fat phobic. Everything is lose weight, all this stuff. Hmm. We have failed to solve that problem because we've actually been looking at the wrong tissue, the wrong organ which is muscle is going to protect and change the way in which we age. It is at the root cause of obesity, diabetes, Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, autoimmunity, skeletal muscle can modulate autoimmunity. Muscle Mm -hmm. is a metabolic organ. It is an organ that really only exists right now in the term, in, in the way in which we see it in fitness. That's not what it does. It is above and beyond. That is like one pinky of what this does. And if we begin to look at blood work through the lens of the exercising muscle post-training, if we begin to look at it as our body armor and the fact that it secretes myokines and that these are measurable, then we can actually change the interface of medicine. I love it. Because it's the solution. I want to hit. I'm so excited for my weight training workouts. It's you just stuff that like you hear, like you've just really invigorated life into concepts that we often take for granted, such as structure and tracking and uh, discipline and uh, muscle for that matter. The term muscle, muscle, I'm like, so and just, I love this concept, healthy muscle. You've got, I'm just like thinking about something I never thought about 45 minutes ago. So, you know, muscle is an immune modulator. When you contract it, it releases myokines. And among other things, it actually, it's a different pathway than say an immune cell releasing a cytokine, which they are the same molecule, but it triggers different pathways. Skeletal muscle releases things into the bloodstream that create a crosstalk and an interface with all other organs 
So people are looking for the quote fountain of youth externally when it actually is by consciously directing our muscle, we can move this organ to become an internal fountain of youth for real. Wow. So anyway, I'm I'm sure you you could go on for a long time. I could. I'm sorry about that. No, I I love it. I would love for you to, no, sorry. Don't say sorry. Of course, uh, this is your passion. This is your work. This is your calling. I would love for you to share with our listeners, where can people find out more about your work and how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. I am very active on Instagram and um, that please keep in mind, it is a bit unidimensional of what I share there because it's a very small, small platform. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on YouTube, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. I'm actually going to be starting a YouTube podcast show, believe it or not. And they can uh, begin to find that. You can find the link in that, the YouTube channel, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. And of course, my website. If you are interested in becoming a patient, it is interview only. And if you know somebody, we turn away 50% of all applicants. So if you are ready to charge hard and train, your mind and your body then, or if you know someone who's a patient, then that's the way to do it. Did you say charge hard, ready to go hard? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Do they work specific privately with you? Depends there. They can depends on the person. Amazing. Okay. Hey, I'm fascinated now about how you set up your entire business and maybe in the near future, we'll talk about how to have you come back. And I'd love to hear about how you're reaching and expanding your message through your business, et cetera, maybe on another day. How's that sound? I would love it. I would love it. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Hey, now it's your turn to pay the fee, if you will, pay it forward and share this podcast on social media, on Instagram. If you got somebody on your cell phone you're thinking of right now who needs to hear this, please just share it with them. And we want to make sure we don't keep this information to yourself, but to inspire other people to expand in all areas of life and to improve. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next time. Ciao, ciao. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you got some value. And if you're ready to learn more about the world's premier fitness business community that gives you the systems, skills, and support to scale to your first 10,000, 50,000, or even a $100,000 month in as little as one year, then send me a message on Instagram at Vince Del Monte and message me success. I'll know what that means and I'll reach out to you and I'll see if I can help you.